Lord, thank you. Can you turn this down a little bit? Lord, thank you for our time together so far. And Father, now as we transition into hearing from you and the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit as we open your word again now, Lord, uh, our desire is not just to be here, but yours. Thank you for what uh, you have been teaching us about you and grace. And as we continue to move forward, Lord, now just uh, remove all the distractions. And uh, Lord, again, teach us what it is you have uh, to learn and then apply it to our lives that we will be transformed into the image of your Son. And all God's people said. Amen. So we have been, I shared with you earlier in the service, what we learned last week, right? Come to the throne of grace. Right? And I shared, you know, sometimes we were scared about, oh, you know, the first time you went to the dentist or you went to the doctor or, you know, the first day of school and your parents tried to prep you a little bit. What you, well, what's going to happen? So last Sunday we discovered what would happen when you came to the throne of grace, right? And for many of you, that was like, wow, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. And, and here's the thing. I want to encourage you, okay? We don't walk by what? Walk by faith. Right? And everything we've been learning all the last several months about grace. Quite honestly, when you leave here, it's a step of faith to be able to apply it. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road in our, in our walk. Okay, Lord, you taught me everything. I know biblically what's going to happen at the throne of grace. What is the real step now? To go where? To the throne of grace. To apply it, right? And, and my encouragement to you is, as you're doing that, be, be very careful that going to the throne of grace, understanding who God is and, and growing deeper and maturing in your relationship this way, okay, what we have to guard against uh, in the church is that it becomes self-centered. That it's all about me coming to the throne of grace with my Father so that I can grow. One of the things that, that can happen inadvertently as we as we grow and as we desire to read scripture and pray more and come to church more is that if we're not careful, church and our relationship with the Lord becomes very me-centered. What am I getting out of it? What am I getting out of it? How can this help me? Right? And and, and it's not anything intentional, but I've seen it in years of ministry where we, we forget that a large part of what God teaches us and how he grows us is to be used for what? Ministry. Right? To be used for others. What, just a quick review. What, are, what were the two greatest commands that when Jesus said, hey, Jesus, what are the two greatest commands? What were they? To what? Number one, love God with, with your whole being. And then what? Love your neighbor. We can never forget that because we're to love God. Right? And in a Christendom, we can be careful that it becomes all just about loving God. Anything wrong with loving God? No. But if we forget number two, then it can become a problem. See, number one is really supposed to lead us into what? Number two. As we grow in our love for God, we should be becoming more loving towards others. And in fact, helping others to what? Do number one, love God. Yeah. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? I'm growing in my love for God. I'm going to love you, Brenda, not for what you can give me, but so that you can love God. 
And as you love God, you're going to find another neighbor, and you're going to help them first and foremost what? Love God. You see how it works? Number one and two, you, 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 we can't overemphasize one over the other. They go together. And that's what, as I was thinking about where we're going with the throne of grace, awesome. Okay, Lord, the throne of grace, it's open 24-7. I know what I'm going to get when I get there. Now the Lord might be saying, okay, now I want you to help others come to the throne of grace. You have the wonderful privilege to become a minister of grace. You see, if, 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 if the Bible says when we come to the throne of grace, we find sympathy, compassion, understanding, mercy, grace, help, how is that going to be taught to someone? Through the word and through what? Actions. Whose actions? Us. Us. See, when you are compassionate, and you are understanding, and you give mercy, and you give grace, and you come when someone calls for help, and when you wrap your arms around someone, what are you really teaching them? God's grace. You are a living example of what it means to be in relationship with God. That's you. That's me. That's a wonderful privilege we have. So we have to always kind of keep that, that tension that right there. In fact, turn to Mark 2. Turn to Mark 2. Let's look there real quick. Shall we look there then we? Look what's happening here in Mark 2. It's a familiar passage to many, but there's, there's things going on here that we just sort of tend to gloss over, and it's going to help us introduce where we're going. Right? I love this one definition I came across of grace. Grace is love in action. Grace is love in action. I love that. Right? We've seen that biblical love is a bird. Grace is love in action. Right? So Mark 2, let's look at verse 1. So a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four. Since they could not get into Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging, digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Right? And you know, some of the teachers of law got upset, and Jesus eventually says, What? Hey, okay. Let me show you something. Hey, get up. Right? Kind of familiar story. But I want to go back and let's look at verse 2. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Right? Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat. The paralyzed man was lying. We just saw that grace was love in action, right? And that's that, that first beginning part, I don't know if we really get what's going on there. Right? So I'm going to help us get what's going on there. So there's a mat. Like old Johnny, there's a mat, right? Mike, you're big and strong. Come on up here, Mike. 
Ty with your broken finger, if I can use you. <laughs> Wes, come on up here. Yeah, okay, Scott, yeah. <laughs> and Mike. Good old Mike. Alright, so, so let, let's, let's really look at this. There's a, <laughs> there's, there's a paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a paramedic on a mat. Now this mat was probably really thin filled with straw, right? It's a mat, right? And he's paralyzed. You, you, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, now four of his friends hear that Jesus is in Capernaum, right? Now I want you to get this, because sometimes we sanitize the Bible. We think like, oh yeah, go to the next door. We don't know how long they had to walk, and they walked, and it was dirt. And it might have been the middle of the day, it was really hot. And, and if he's paralyzed, here's the thing, he can't help them. And so if they try, we're going to just, just grab a corner real quick, and we're not going to totally lift them up, but I just, just a little bit. Now, I want you to see, I want you to see, look. Okay. Now, get this. Now, these are big guys. We're not a big deal, but check this out. This is very important. There is nothing he can do. So, the only thing he can do, and we don't know for sure, the only thing he can do is say, okay. The only thing you can do is receive. The only thing you can do is receive. Now these guys are kind of slowly, right? <laughs> now, now these guys right here, here's the, here's the thing. So they have come to their friend and said, hey, that house over there, there's a guy over there that we believe can heal you. We've heard all the stories. We are going to take you there. They get there, they can't even get in. The houses back then had stairs on the outside, so they have to take him. And it's awkward, and we don't know how, how far they are. They have to take him. And then clamber upstairs, and then they have to dig a roof, a, a hole in the roof. It's a flat roof. They have to dig their way through the mud and the, you know, however they built it. And then they got to figure a way to lower him. Why? Because they love him. And there's nothing he can do to help. You see? Thank you, guys. You can walk. Right? So, so here, here's, here's the question. If you were, if you were the paralytic, would you have been able to receive that? Or would you, I don't know, come on, guys. That's too far for you to carry me. One of the, the, the hardest things we have in the church, two things. Admit our helplessness and just receive. See, many of us resonate with the four around. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's help Tina move three times. I mean, just kidding, right? Now. Right, we're there. Right? Let's serve. Let's give. Let's grab a corner. Let's just do it. But I want to challenge us today with grace. What if you're the paralytic? What if all you could do was just receive? And then the farther they had to walk, you just had to be okay with what they were doing. Oh, dudes, really? Oh, come on, it's too much. Let's just go home. 
Maybe another day it'll be better. No, we're going up the stairs. Up the stairs. Come on, man. That's a long climb. Come on, Daddy. You don't have to do that. Dude, now we're on the roof. Now what are you going to do? We're going to dig a hole. You know what? Dude, we love you. you got to get to Jesus. If we can get you to Jesus, we believe he's going to do something in your life. And when it comes to grace, sometimes in our lives we have to receive because others around us are just trying to get us to Jesus. And they're willing to go the tenth mile to get you to Jesus. And the question is, why is it, why is it tough? And, and, and I'd be praying, I'm like, Lord, how does coming to you throne of grace help us go grace this way? And we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. There was, there's this uh, song that came out several years ago called Stained Glass Masquerade. And it talks about someone who comes to church and sits somewhere and just looks at all of you. They're looking at you. And maybe the people up front. But they come to church and they sit and they're just doing this. And here's what's going through their heart. Alright? Stained glass mastery. Is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I look around, when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again so everyone will see me the way that I see them. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain? But if the invitation's open to every heart that has been broken... Maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. Is there anyone who's been there? Are there any hands to raise? Am I the only one who's traded in the altar for a stage? The performance is convincing. And we know every line by heart. Only when no one is watching can we really fall apart. But would it set me free if I dared to let you see the truth behind the person that you imagine me to be. Would your arms be open, or would you walk away? Would the love of Jesus be enough to make you stay? You know, and, and I've read that, and I wondered, Lord, why? Why do we wear the masks? You call us brothers and sisters. We know that you know our name and everything about us. And yet, even on a Sunday, we hide. We hide. And the lyrics of that song just really cut to the chase. And a lot of it has to do with fear. A lot of it has so much to do with fear. And, and that's why this, this series on grace, if you have to give up, appropriate and let God's grace overwhelm you literally, you're going to find that you become gracious. And you're going to find that God can create a, a climate, an environment here of grace. 
where little by little people take risks. Okay, again. Okay. Some may, may have a great move of God and they're like, alright, I'm done. Here. Here it is. It was me. Others it might just be like, okay, I'll let you in this one. And I'm going to see. Okay, this one. It may take time. It's sanctification. And so, as we move forward in grace, my encouragement to you, okay, can you go like this? Because you're going to be the paralytic. And if you let others love you, if you will receive, you'll see what happens with this. And you will find freedom. You will find the freedom of God's grace and, and people ministering to you and, and these masks will begin as a fruit. Come out the way. Come out the way, right? And you see there, in your notes, there were some false beliefs that we talked about when it came to God's grace. And it was interesting because if we don't take the time to look at and resolve these false beliefs, they can bleed into relationships. So it says there's the impact of false beliefs on relationships, right? And remember this verse, I must prove to God that I am worthy to continue receiving His grace, right? It becomes, we started by faith, now we slide into works, right? If I'm not careful, what that, what that false belief vertically translates into in a relationship here on Sunday morning, or on Wednesdays, or just in the church family, is, I'm afraid I don't measure up. So maybe I put on the mask of religiosity and, and doing a whole lot. To be, it's not really out of a heart of sermon. I'm just scared that I don't measure up, so I better just do a whole lot of that. Because I'm afraid I don't measure up to the people that I see in this room. Right? And then it says, I must pay back God for His grace. And we talk about grace being a gift that's simply to be received. And, and, and what that could be for some of us here is, I'm just afraid of receiving love. You mean a paralytic? I'm a paralytic, and all I can all I can do sometimes as, as a Christian is just receive love. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Okay. Hmm. And so what we do is we put on. Oh no! And one one of the masks we have, and I'm not the masks I share with you are things that I've had to work through in my life. One of the masks we have if we're not comfortable if we're afraid of receiving love. We just put on the mask of serving. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy serving to let anyone serve me. I'm too busy giving to allow anyone to give me. And it's really just a mask. Because we're uncomfortable. We're, 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 we don't know what to do with gracious love and gracious It's uncomfortable just to receive it. Right? I must punish myself. Before receiving and enjoying God's grace. How does that translate horizontally? You know what? I'm afraid my past will be held against me. Maybe we put on the mask of superficiality. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come on Sundays and we're going to do your job and we're going to have fun and everything, but I'm not going to really let you know where I've been. Because I'm not so sure what you're going to do with that. And how are you going to judge me if I really go past this mask of superficiality, right? 
I'm a placate and pacify an angry God. How does that translate? I'm afraid of failing. Because maybe you'll be disappointed. Maybe you'll be angry at me. Right? I must portray a certain image in order to be pleasing to God. How does that translate horizontally? I'm afraid of revealing who I really am. What's the mask? How are you doing? Fine! How's your week? Good! Anything I can pray for you about? No! Yeah, nothing wrong with being fine and good and not having a prayer request unless you're just afraid you're really Take down the mask. And so, so with all of these, we find that, that, that grace that grace is foundational to working through the false beliefs we have with God and now with each other. Now with each other. Because here's the thing. If we're going to be ministers of grace in this church family, and if we're going to help people remove the masks, it's just going to take time. And we're going to genuinely have to be supernaturally empowered. See, here's the thing. To extend biblical grace to somebody is a supernatural command, which requires a supernatural source, the Holy Spirit. Okay, the biblical grace is far beyond being nice and listening and cordial. If we're going to genuinely extend biblical grace to one another, we just have to try and have to settle the issue that Lord, I can't do that. I, in my own flesh, that's just impossible. In fact, any of the commands of God, if they're supernatural, they require a supernatural source. Amen? Right? What is it? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Love as you have been loved. All that requires supernatural power. Amen? So if we're going to extend biblical grace to one another, and if we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to be a minister of grace so I can help my brothers and sisters in this church family... Let the mask down. We just gotta stay up on the front end. I need, I need you to do the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I just need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, Lord. And, and He'll give that to you. And then He'll, he'll teach us what that means. And we're gonna take a little step today to try to understand what it means to, to extend biblical grace, right? So let's look at Romans 15. Context of Romans 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul is talking about unity in the body of Christ. Okay, so we're going to talk about grace being extended first and foremost in the next couple of weeks within the body of Christ. And that's Romans 14 and 15, talking about uh, grace and, and unity within the body of Christ. And look at Romans 15 7. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. You know what I think? If we want to be a church that glorifies God, then we just got to start by accepting one another. And that word accept means more than just tolerate. 
So the current the current person next to him say, okay, it's more than tolerating you. Right, you know, right? It's more than tolerating you, right? Right? It's not that. That's the world, right? Yeah, I accept you on code before I tolerate them, right? No, to accept means to welcome. To welcome. It's a continuum. It's, it's the verb there means make it a continual habit. It's your lifestyle. It's who you are, right? It's to accept the presence of a person with friendliness, to welcome, to receive hospitably. That's to accept. So wrap your arms around someone and say, oh man, I genuinely am glad you're here. Pat, you're just what a beautiful guy. Put his arm around Right? That's to accept one another, right? Now, the one another is here. Here's the crazy thing. He's talking to the Roman church. In the Roman church, there were devout Jews who were legalistic, dietary law, holy days, had nothing to do with Gentiles. And then in that church came the Gentiles who were eating anything. Right? And, and who looked at the Jews as kind of legalistic religious guys. So into this mix of this crazy diverse church, he says, hey, accept one another. Is Christ accepted you. What he's really talking about to OBCF, that wide variety of people that come on Sunday morning, doesn't matter. You accept it. Is Christ accepted you? That's the beginning of grace. You wonder, when I was in youth ministry for years and years, I tried to help um, parents understand peer pressure. And one of the things I try to explain to parents about peer pressure is when students, especially at the beginning of the year, when they walk onto a campus, kind of in the back of their mind, they're like, which group is going to accept me? And so they kind of go on a hunt. You ever wonder why you see students dress one way, talking one way for about two months, and then they change radically into something else? What they're doing is they're hunting for the group that will communicate acceptance. And when they find it, that's where they're going to land. Now, unfortunately, in some cases, it's that group that maybe is making poor choices, but what do they what do they exude? Oh, yeah, dude, come on. Join the party. Now, they may be making poor choices, but what is resonating? Acceptance. Belonging. Same thing happens when someone walks to the door on a Sunday morning. Do I belong here? Am I going to be accepted at this OBCF thing that my friend invited me to? And they hunt around, and they look, and they just wonder, am I going to be accepted here? Right? And we hear Romans 15, 7, as we begin this, right after that, hey, accept one another. In all the diversity of your backgrounds, all the diversity of your church upbringing or not, all your personality differences, all your age differences, it's okay, in the non-essentials. We're going to be unified around the essentials. We're not ever going to compromise truth and doctrine here. Amen? Amen? But that does mean, when it comes to the essential areas, we're going to give liberty and grace. You get that? Grace and truth. That's what we're about. And so that's happening even at the adult level. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. We talked about, right? Great. I'm here to how has Christ accepted you? And can you do the same to somebody else? You see? 
Because if you look on that sheet, there's some blanks there, right? So here's how it works. I'm afraid I don't measure up. Grace says, we communicate to each other verbally or not verbally, hey, we all were unworthy of God's grace. Let's just start there. You've been saved by grace through faith, right? That no one can boast. Hey, let me just wrap my arm around you. Hey, dude, if you feel like you don't measure up, I'm with you. We were all unworthy. We are. Right? Next one. I'm afraid of receiving love. Grace says, hey, you don't owe me anything. Matthew 10, I love this. Freely you have received, freely what? Give. You receive God's grace by freely? Give it freely. You don't owe me anything. When, 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 we, when we move Tina, no. Tina, you don't owe us anything. That pepperoni pizza is nice, but you didn't owe it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't owe us. Right? You don't owe me anything. Really, you've received, really. Right? I'm afraid my past will be held against me. My past has been forgiven too. Put your arm around someone struggling with their past and you say, hey, you know what? Let me share something with you. My past has been forgiven too. I used to. I walked, right? In fact, if you were to share your path with someone, you know what someone in this room might just say to you? Is that all you got? <laughs> Is that all you got? That, that's what you've been concerned about. Because if you knew my path, that ain't nothing, right? That ain't nothing. Linda will be sharing her testimony next week. I'm afraid of failing. Grace says, you know what? I will speak the truth in love, not condemnation. If I see you straying, if I see you making biblical decisions that are not biblical, simple, you know what? I'm going to come alongside you, not in condemnation, but in love. I'm going to speak the truth in love. That's grace. That's grace. I'm afraid of revealing who I really am. Grace says, you know what? I choose to see you as God sees you. That's awesome. Who do you choose Self-control. 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 And now this guy is too long. Okay. I choose to see you as God sees you. You're a new creation. You're a saint. You're a child of God. So when you're struggling, and when you're hurting, and maybe even when you sin, I still see you that way. You're a saint, right? If I came as a sinner, who just happens to be saved by grace, that colors my view. If I came as a saint and a child of God who was in the sanctification process, who did something and then confessed and repented of it, then there's compassion. Then there's grief. And then Ernie isn't afraid to come to the next time and say, hey, I, I kind of blew it again. But it's okay, because I'm going to go back. 
because last time I shared when I grew up, they received me as a saint. I was still a child of God. I was still in. I was still part of the club, in a sense. You understand what I'm saying? See, grace says, I choose to see you as God sees you. Now, if we can begin to do that, if we can begin to do that, watch out what God does in this body, and then in this valley through the body. Because word will get out that that little church on Sunday mornings, you go there. They don't compromise truth. They're going to speak the truth in love, but man, they'll accept you. There's grace there. There's grace. And we're going we're gonna to move forward in this together. We're going to move forward in this together. Little by little. But that's just a starting point. Accept one another because Christ accepted you. Can we do that? There's a story real quick and then we'll jump over to me and Bill. There's a story of uh, Thomas Jefferson was with some guys and they came to this river on horses. And they had to cross this river. A couple of guys crossed and there was a traveler who didn't have a horse on the same side as Thomas Jefferson. And he called, he didn't know Thomas Jefferson was the president. And he called him over, hey, can you take me across the river? Thomas Jefferson rides over there, puts him on his back, takes him across the river. They all get across the river. And one of the guys says, hey, why did you ask the president? He said, I didn't know he was the president. <laughs> but what he did say this was, he said, when I was over there, I looked at the faces. And a lot of them said no. But his said yes. You see, when we become people of grace, your face says yes. And that's my prayer. When people come in here, that they'll look at your face, they don't even know you, they might even talk to you, but they go, that guy, I knew I was accepted. He just looked at me and it was a yes. It was a yes. That'd be awesome. Right. Like, like, turn to someone and say yes. It kind of turns into a smile. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's yes. Right? Grace. Grace. And beginning with acceptance. If we get that at the heart level, it's just we're going to start communicating yes. Amen? Yes. Let's pray together. Lord.